0: Yora Tenekoto Nomai Hairamai. Hello everyone. Welcome to the Walk in the Shadowlands podcast. Join me as we take a walk into the realms of the unexplained, of the paranormal, of things that go bump in the night and haunt your dreams. Your hosts. I'm Marianne, thanks so much for joining me today, tonight, whatever time it is, wherever you live in this beautiful world of ours, sit back and relax, let me be your guide as we walk into the Shadowlands together and see what awaits us there. Welcome to another episode of the Walk in the Shadowlands podcast, where we dive deep into the mysteries of reality and explore cutting-edge theories that challenge our understanding of the universe. I'm your host, Ann. Today's episode is particularly special, as it marks a continuation from one of our most popular episodes from the very first season of the podcast, titled A Glitch in the Matrix, A Holographic Reality and still to this day, one of our most listened to episodes. We're joined by a remarkable individual whose theories have been generating quite a buzz. Our guest today is Dr Simon Duan, a former material scientist turned spiritual explorer. He shares his journey from China to Cambridge, and how encounters with the paranormal led him to the theory of the metacomputer. Tracing back the simulation hypothesis, Dr. Dwan introduces the platonic computer, a non-physical entity, in the realm of forms proposed by Plato. He challenges traditional scientific methods proposing a paradigm shift in our understanding of computation and reality. So, are you prepared to walk with me into this part of the Shadowlands on a mind-bending journey with Dr. Simon Dwan, deep into the darkness of the unknown, and see what awaits us there? Let's begin. Dr Simon Tuan is the founder and CEO of Metacomputix Labs. He came from China to the UK to study in the 1980s. After receiving a PhD in materials science from Cambridge University, he worked in research and development, technology commercialisation and management consultancy, in both the UK and China. He has long standing interests in paranormal research and is a past vice president of the Chinese Parapsychology Association. My guest, Dr. Simon Duan. Simon, thank you so much for agreeing to talk with us today. I've actually been really looking forward to our conversation since you first contacted me because you were really a follow-on from one of my podcast episodes I did in the beginning of my podcast journey called A Glitch in the Matrix, A Holographic Reality. And this episode will be in season 12 that episode is still in my top 10 most listened to episodes because it really resonates with people. So I'm really excited about hearing your theories and your information. So perhaps you could tell us a little bit about yourself and your background.
1: Okay, yeah. Thank you, Marion, for having me. You mentioned the episode on the glitch of matrix. I actually listened to that one. Uh And I was very impressed with the quality you made, actually. Yeah, so I urge listeners who haven't listened to that episode, please go ahead to do it. It's it's an excellent episode. I think there's two, actually. You made two.
0: Yes, one was Uh, just people's experiences.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's also fantastic. There's real case studies of people who actually experienced those glitches in matrix. And the, the, the research you have done is very thorough. It's very professional.
0: Oh, thank you. I,
1: I came to the UK in the 80s as a student. I was born and did my primary and secondary education in China. Before I came to UK as a student, I finished my PhD in material science from Cambridge University. That was in the end of the 80s. Then I worked in industry for more than two decades. And I'm supposed to be a materialist. Uh, My PhD is in material science. But actually, I became interested in spirituality. So the trigger for that is some encounters in paranormal, personal encounter of paranormal experiences, which triggered my interest in, in looking something else beyond material science right so that's my journey it's like a rabbit hole uh, <laughs> once you start looking to paranormal it, it doesn't stop fascinates you it really uh, does i agree yeah <laughs> that's right yeah and uh, so uh, I have been really fascinated by, by all the encounters, and uh, because once you start, you keep looking for more and more, and you get more and more fascinated about uh, phenomena and uh, encounter. Uh, my business uh, take me back to China regularly, so I got involved with Chinese parapsychology research circle, and we have conferences from time to time. And more importantly, we invite people who have psychic abilities to come to talk and to demonstrate. And also, I spend all my spare time visiting those people who have ability or who have experience of encounter. Right. uh, In Matrix. (laughs) So that's my personal passion, basically. As well as the fascination, I'm also get bothered because I'm naturally a curiosity person. Right. I'm full of curious curiosity. And from my childhood, one of the, my favorite book is 10,000 Wise. It's a Chinese serious book to explain why is this, why is this. Basically, it's a, a popular science book. but it it answers why questions i always want to ask why and when i come across paranormal it always bothers me i couldn't answer it why this happens how this happens so it's like an intellectual itch i need (laughs) to scratch
0: (laughs) that's that's (laughs) a good description and you can never quite reach that edge can you
1: yeah, and therefore I have also been trying to develop a model, trying to explain it. The best model I come across up to now is the presumption that the universe is a matrix. Right. And we are actually living the matrix. This is the only way I can find so that we can explain all this. Paranormals and parapsychologies and psychic abilities and mishaps and glitches. So I was really out of a resonant with, with your research as well because you mentioned and this is the way to explain all this. Yes. Yeah.
0: And it's really, it's a subject that absolutely fascinates me. Like you, it's that itch that you just can't quite scratch and you just want to know more and more and more and more. Okay, so perhaps you can um, explain to us what metacomputics is and why you chose this term to describe the theory that you've come up with.
1: Yeah, to model the universe as a simulation is not actually new. A German uh, computer scientist, Conrad Rossi, he was the first one actually to propose this idea. He postulated that there's a big computer which runs the universe. Yeah, As a computer scientist, I can understand why he says this. (laughs) If you have a hammer and uh, everywhere you look, you see nails. As a computer scientist, it's quite natural for him to think, oh, maybe the universe is a processing output of computation. And uh, so he actually, Talked about this as early as 1969. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Another major heavyweight scholar is John Wheeler. This is another famous physicist. He actually coined the term black hole
2: oh, in, in,
1: in the universe, black hole. So he proposed a very famous now phrase it's called it from bit. Yeah. Oh. It means physical things, physical universe, and bit is the information. And he said, everything has information in the background. So information is the fundamental reality. And the appearance of physical universe is dependent on information embedded beneath it. He proposed this phrase in 1990, actually. And, of course, the idea got very popularized mm. with the movie Matrix. Mm. And so Matrix was a very successful movie on itself, but it introduced to mass population this idea that the universe can be seen as a matrix. So this increased a lot of awareness of this possibility, but also some serious thinkers Mm. scholars, including physicists, as well as cosmologists, biologists, philosophers, as well as technology leaders, they have been considering seriously whether this is a real possibility. But most people actually stays at the stage of speculation. They speculate, oh, right. <laughs> this universe might be a matrix. Yeah. Right. But to me, as a scientist, speculation is, is not enough. Mm. So to progress further from speculation to a theory, you need to answer a number of questions. For example, if the universe is a processing output of computation, and then the first question you should answer is, uh, where is the computer? Mm. What is made of, uh, how is it built? And what are its properties? Of course, uh, another big important question is who is the programmer? Mm. <laughs> so I think unless you answer all those questions, it stays as a speculation. It cannot be a scientific theory, right. It cannot even be a hypothesis. Some people call it simulation hypothesis. I don't think it has got that stage yet. Most people speculate. Yeah. Mm. Of course, they have lots of evidence, as you gathered from your podcast. (laughs) People have a lot of glitches. And those evidence uh, supporting this hypothesis. But as a scientific theory, you need more. You need to answer all those questions.
0: Right. So
1: people have been trying to answer those questions. For example, the Oxford philosopher, Professor Nick Bostrom, he proposed the so-called ancestor argument. Basically, he is saying that the computer which produced this matrix is in the future. Right. Because the technology will continue uh, to develop. At some stage, the computer will be so powerful, it can produce virtual reality, which is indistinguishable from the physical reality. Right. Therefore, the future generation, the future advanced civilization will have curiosity about how their ancestors live their lives. Therefore, they would simulate how their ancestors has been living in the past. And we are actually their ancestors.
2: Ah, interesting, right.
1: Yeah, so that's his proposition. Basically, the computer is in the future. But I don't think that's a reasonable proposition because I think no matter how the advanced computer is it can still produce only virtual reality right it cannot produce the physical reality to produce physical reality the computer need to be outside the universe Mm. it cannot be inside the universe it's Mm -hmm. like our virtual game the virtual game isn't actually in this physical universe it's a parallel universe Mm -hmm. Yeah, to my mind, the computer that produced this physical universe has to be outside this universe. Right. Outside this space and time. Yeah. So instead of look further into the future, I choose to look vertically, and I choose to look vertically into the transcendental place. Right. So I don't... Assume the computer is a physical. I presume the computer is transcendental, it's non physical. Mm. And if it's a transcendental, it's not in this space, it's right. not this it's a physical universe, mm. it's outside this physical universe. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, the place I have found to locate this computer is the realm of forms proposed by
0: Plato.
1: Right. Plato proposed that there is realm of forms which contains the essence of all the physical things, abstract entities like concepts, like numbers. Mm. And the physical things are only shadow, a poor imitation of these ideal forms Mm. in the realm of forms. For example, we have various dogs, of various shapes and forms and colors, different species of dog. But in the Platonic realm of forms, there is a dogness, the abstract dog form.
2: Okay.
1: The abstract dog form is the essence of all the physical dogs. The physical dogs of all the sizes and the shapes are actually a poor copy of this ideal dog. So based on the same principle, I speculate, postulate that because we have a physical computer here, and we ought to have a perfect abstract computer in the realm of forms. I call it platonic computer. So the platonic computer is in the realm of forms, and its output It's the physical universe. So that's my uh, sort of contribution to this field. I actually locate this computer in the realm of forms as a transcendental non-physical computer. So this is my contribution, basically.
0: That's really interesting. And what you're saying is that there is this reality that is forms and shapes but not solid? Yes, that's right. Yeah. So if there is this metacomputer there, then that means that there have to be beings that control it or feed it information. Would that be a fair comment?
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, the the computer is non-physical. And also uh, the beings who feed it and operate the feeding information uh, it's also non physical. However, those beings at the higher level of existence are not somebody else. It's our self also.
0: Oh, so you're referring to like the like over self? Is that how some people?
1: Yeah, yeah. Some people would refer it as a higher self. Right. Yeah. In my model, we as a human exist in all levels. Uh, creation right physical level is one of many levels and uh, so we have a physical body at another level of reality we don't have a physical body but we have a non-physical form mm. but it's also our self mm. we mm. have a higher self at all levels of reality and uh, it is our higher self who actually made the non-physical computer and operate the physical computer. At the same time, act as a player for this avatar, Mm. the lower. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, it does. And it fits in with a lot of older world philosophies, doesn't it?
1: Yes, that's right. Yeah. It's it's like various dog forms, physical dog forms. Mm. They have a common dogness. Right. But also, we as a human, we also share some higher forms of Mm. ourselves Mm. so it converges when you go up right and so that higher self are normally shared by many individuals but still it's our self higher self
2: Mm.
1: and in some tradition they might refer that as deities right but deities not somebody else it's our self it's our higher self those beings They operate the non-physical computer and they produce this lower level universe. Just like us. Right. We use the physical computer to manipulate the physical computer to produce the virtual reality, which is another level, lower level of Mm. parallel
2: universe.
0: Mm. Mm. Very interesting. Can you elaborate on the differences between the scientific methodology used in physics and the approach you propose for metacomputics? How do these differences impact our understanding of computation and the nature of reality?
1: Mm. Yeah, it's there's a different approach uh, to the traditional scientific approach. But it's not unnatural.
2: Mm.
1: I mean, science itself progresses. Right. Yeah. And sometimes they call it paradigm shift. Yes. Yeah. So the science itself also develops. And in science, we model the reality.
2: Mm.
1: And the models are normally based on metaphors. Right. So basically, it's like we're trying to find out what elephants like. Mm. But we cannot see the elephant. We we are are blind people, we can't see the elephant. We try to work out what the elephant looks like. And some people would describe the elephant as a pillar. And some other people would describe the elephant as a wall. Right. And another person, blind person, may describe the elephant as a tube because they cannot see the elephant. Mm. They have to rely on metaphors mm. to understand and to describe pillars, wall, and the rope and the tubes are metaphors mm. to help people to understand and to describe to other people. In science, we are doing the same. Right. So in mechanical time, in Newton's time, we have a good metaphor, which is the machine. Mm. And uh, at that time, the most advanced machines are clocks and watches. So we uh, describe the universe as a clock-like machine. Mm. Newton's laws, uh, a set of equations, describe dynamics of the macro objects, including planets. So we model the universe, especially the macro universe, as a clock-like machine, Mm. because That's the best metaphor we can find.
2: Yes. Human Mm
1: -hmm. society was electrified. We had a new concept called electricity. Mm. So we use this concepts to model the micro universe as electrically charged particles. This nuclei is positively charged. Electron is negatively charged.
2: Right.
1: So it's based on another metaphor, which is electricity. Mm. Up to now, the most scientific approach are based on those two metaphors. Of course, they use a lot of mathematics to model those dynamics of particles, as well as the planets. So now we moved into the information age. We have new metaphors. Mm -hmm. Those metaphors are computers, big data, information, virtual reality, artificial intelligence, all those new metaphors are inspiring us to come up with new model sort of hmm. reality. So the simulation hypothesis, the matrix are new metaphors based on which we can build new model of the reality. That's what we are talking about now. So it's a different metaphor based model of reality. We don't have to believe those models because the model may be just one of the uh, aspects of reality. It's like a, a, a pillar. It's like a, one of the legs in elephant <laughs> or, or the, uh, the trunks of elephant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we don't have to take it as a reality, but it's a powerful tool mm-hmm. we can use to model reality, to understand reality, right. to direct our sort of lives based on the model. To answer your question, it's a different metaphor based on approach. And we don't have to judge which is right, which is wrong. Right. So I said, it's a model. It's not a reality. We judge model as a tool. Yeah. So the more tool we have, the more effective we become. right? Like when you play golf, you would prefer a set of tools, set of clubs, instead mm. of only one. In New Zealand, I'm sure you have a big garden. When you do gardening, you prefer to have a multiple different tools instead of only one tool. <laughs> yeah. Right. So by adding simulation hypothesis, we add another tool set into the science. We mm. expand the science because it provides a new tool to deal with the unknown, uh, to make predictions, to understand the reality from a different lens. Mm. So uh, scientific model can be also seen as a lens right. of which you can see different aspect of reality. Like when you have a telescope, you can see in the sky a lot further And when you have a microscope, you can see very small things Mm. uh, much better. So with the simulation hypothesis, we can see the universe, see the reality from a different lens, um, which actually very helpful because like you mentioned in your podcast, many things which cannot be explained with the existing scientific theories Mm. now can be explained mm. yeah including the paranormal
0: yeah absolutely actually i'm a, a medium and yeah and i've had uh, a lot of contact with extraterrestrial beings my entire life so oh, I come, wow. i come from a different perspective but yeah. they taught me this stuff which is why I have such a fascination for it. And I remember one time, I may have mentioned this in one podcast episode, but I can't quite remember. I had this experience that they showed me this vision. I was sitting on this park bench when they were trying to explain realities to me. I was sitting on this park bench with this being talking. And then all of a sudden, this huge pair of hands came down and picked me up. (laughs) <laughs> and I realized I was in the hands of a little child, and he put me in his pocket, and then that expanded out to another vision, then to another vision, then to another vision. It was like like this reality was the core of an onion. And oh. each layer was a different reality around yeah, the
1: core. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I, I love to catch up again offline. Yeah. Off this- interview because i love to talk to people like you and i learn a lot from them all my research have been done through talking to people like you
0: oh really
1: because because i'm not psychic yeah I, i don't have a lot of spiritual experiences however i love to talk to people who have and they teach me Hell a lot. <laughs> so all the information, all the inspiration uh, are from people like you.
0: We're always learning, eh? It's a constant thing. We never stop learning. I asked my people, why didn't they tell me this before? And they said, Well, <laughs> you weren't ready for that understanding before. You weren't mature enough to handle it oh, now. You are. I and see. It just expanded on the knowledge that they had been teaching me since I was three.
1: Oh, I see. Okay, fascinating. Yeah. So
0: that really has been my life path this whole time is walking down this way. And part of the reason of my podcast is to, at the very least, start people questioning about the nature of reality and what we perceive as reality. And like Mm -hmm. I I say in the Glitch in the Matrix episode, you know, this chair that we're sitting on feels solid. I think I said it in that, but it's not. It's a bunch of atoms vibrating at a high rate, but we perceive it as being solid.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Now, I Uh, read your abstract. Is that what it's called that you published on your theory?
1: Yeah, I published a few papers, peer-reviewed the Yeah. Which
0: one did I read? Let me just see. I've got it sitting here. It was with a group of a whole pile of others. And... I have to say, I had to read it a few times because I'm not very good with numbers. (laughs) So I know your numbers was a bit of a a thing for me. I can't find the page that it's... Anyway, it's one that's linked from your website. Uh, Okay. And you've got some really interesting diagrams in there that explain what you're talking about. But you have some bits in there that I'd like to... Let me just find it here. While I'm talking, I, okay. So you say this, in order to experience creation in space and in time, meta-consciousness constructs multiple living beings in the multiverse via meta-computation. Metaconsciousness then fragments itself into multiple individual conscious agents and localizes each individual consciousness within each living being. This gives rise to the sense of individual subjectivity, which we've already talked about. But then you go on to talk about how, as a living being exists in space and time, each individual consciousness agent perceives the universe from the point of view of the individual living being. It means that I really like the analogy you use of the relationship between metaconsciousness and individual consciousness being likened to the television broadcaster in this control room Mm -hmm. and and how he can see all the different television sets around him.
2: Yes. Give different
0: viewpoints. That's a really... I brought that up because for some people who are listening to us, they might be it might be clearer for them to grasp the concept by mm. using that analogy. So there's one controller sitting in the room surrounded by all these TV sets that give him a different viewpoint of that reality as it stands at that point in time. Mm,
2: mm.
0: Really good metaphor. I really like that.
1: Yeah. Um I think everything comes from. One consciousness. Mm. Uh, I call it meta-consciousness. And the individual consciousness, fragmentation of that matter consciousness. And the meta consciousness is non-local because it's not in space. Right. Whereas individual consciousness depends on this body. And our body has a location in space. And the time, and therefore, we have different uh, perspective of the reality, which we can contribute to the overall consciousness experience of meta consciousness, right? Which ultimately is our true self, anyway.
0: So it's really like a game in some respects that this. Higher meta is playing with itself, trying to experience all different aspects of being.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah, I, I define meta consciousness as a power, mm. power to be self-aware. So it has a subjectivity. Yeah, right. I, I am. Before I am this, I am that. So it's power to be self-aware, power to create, mm. and power to perceive so this power in order to express its creativity it creates diversity mm. and it creates diversity through computation because that's easiest most effective way to make a creation right I think. because all you need to do is a binary and once you have a binary you can create a computer Right, Because the computer is basically binary states, two states mm. on and off. Once you have a binary, you can configure these two states into a computer. And also, if you have two states, you can compose data. Data stream is basically zeros, ones. Right. Two states. And also you can write the programs with binary. Mm. Machine language, still zeros, ones. So with this binary, you can create anything, mm. and uh, which we know now with a computer, we can produce almost anything, even with a physical computer. Mm-hmm. And, and then imagine the, the true form of computation, which is not physical, which is not restricted by physical limitations. how powerful can it be?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, therefore, the meta consciousness creates diversity including many levels of creation, many levels, of parallel universe, and many beings, mm. non-physical beings with non-physical bodies, as well as the physical beings with the physical bodies. And those beings provide different perspective. Therefore, the meta consciousness, through those avatars can experience its own creation.
0: It's very interesting. I once was shown, my star people took me out one time, way, 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 way out, and they showed me how universes were created. And they showed me the different dimensional there's like plates on top of each other, stacked like pancakes. And they, yeah. they showed me that to go from one of these plates to another, you went through like a black hole. I to, see. To travel see. from one multiverse to another multiverse. And there were countless, yeah. countless of these.
1: Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Have you written down those kind of realizations?
0: No. No. no, I just. Yeah,
1: I they are valuable. They're valuable for people like me. If you're doing research, if I'm doing research, I would love to see some revelations from different people and this is a beautiful revelation. It, it resonates with a lot of tradition, actually. Oh, a lot of it. tradition. Yeah, a lot of tradition describe the creation as a multi-layered uh, structure.
0: Wow, yeah. I didn't
1: know that. Oh yeah, in Indian tradition, in, in, in Chinese tradition, they, they all have many layers of existence. Many They, they call it planes. Right. Planes, and
0: yeah, that's what they yeah. called it too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They called it these beings called it universal planes. Is what they called it. Yeah,
1: yeah. And uh, to go from one plane to another plane, you need to go through black hole because black hole is a distortion for space and time. Yeah, right. each level of existence have a different time, so you cannot go easily transition from one. To the other, unless the time changes. Because each level of reality have a different clock speed. Mm, the flow speed of time is different.
0: Right, of course.
1: Yeah. So if you are in a high level of, of creation, the time flows slower, actually. Mm. You can spend one day in the heaven and in, in earth is probably one year. Mm. So there's a time difference. So the reason why the time flows differently is because the internal clock of a computer is Mm -hmm. different. So the multi-level of creation, i.e. the different planes, are produced by the computer operating at a different clock speed.
0: Really interesting.
1: Each clock speed produces a different level of the universe. Right. Multiverse. Yeah, in in my model, each universe, each parallel universe are created by the the platonic computer operating at a different clock speed.
0: Very interesting. How has your theory, how has it been accepted by the general scientific community? Have you had much feedback?
1: Yeah, general scientific community, they are kind of uh, not ready Mm. uh,
0: put it that way. They are not yeah.
1: ready. Yet. All the people who are, have interests are those people who have uh, spiritual experiences, right? And, uh, who cannot make sense of the experiences, and uh, so those people are interested in alternative way mm. of looking at the world. Then they are getting interested in the, the matrix mm. hypothesis. And they're also interested in explaining their experiences. And those kind of people will be interested in, in the work we are doing. And also for spiritual people who want to progress further. And I think some people would love to get out of the matrix. Mm. Yeah. They realize this is a prison. It is
0: a prison. hundred percent. Yeah.
1: 100%. yeah. And therefore, based on that realization, they would love to seek a way out of it to be free. And in that case, for those people, this theory, this framework can act as a roadmap. Mm. Because if this is a matrix, a prison, if you want to get out of the matrix, you should understand how this matrix is made.
0: Great. Yeah. Absolutely. Or, or, or,
1: or the, All is structured, and therefore you can find out the way out. Mm. So for those kind of people, my model can be used as a guide, as a roadmap, and they can locate themselves, locate themselves in the matrix. Right. And then they can go from there. It's like a roadmap, yeah?
2: Mm. You,
1: You need to know where you are. You need to know where you are going to go, and you need to find a way from A to B. And so this theory, this model, acts as a roadmap, because it does explain the different level of reality, how it's created, mm. uh, what are its properties, and how you can get from one level to the other. That is a good hint I just mentioned, is the time. Mm. And if you want to go from one to go to another level, you need to manage time. People call it vibration.
0: Vibration and frequency. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that my star people always taught me about, the importance of vibration and frequency.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So vibration and the frequency are related to the clock speed, Mm. related to the refresh rate of the computer.
0: Oh, interesting. So
1: at each level, because each level, the reality are created by different clock Mm. speed. Mm. They all have a different Mm. refresh rate of the display. And that refresh rate is related to the vibration frequency. Very interesting. Very, very
0: interesting. Wow. Mm. I'm really enjoying this conversation, Simon. Yeah, it's really great. I have a question you assert in your paper that you put out that the metacomputics model is not a description of reality. Can you explain the relationship between your theory and the, is it philosopher Immanuel Kant's Kant's perspective on the unknowability of the universe? How does that tie in with his theory? Or doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it, it does. It does. Kant is uh, one of my favorite philosophers. And uh, according to him, uh, the true nature of the universe, the true nature of anything, actually, in universe, is not knowable.
2: Right.
1: Yeah. Because we have to rely on our senses, and the sense distorts the reality. Yeah? Uh-huh. Yes. It's like a pair of colored glasses you can't take off. So we always see the reality as a filtered, as a distorted picture, mm. not the true picture. Mm-hmm. So therefore, he, he postulates that because we cannot take these glasses off, we cannot, we will never be able to know the reality. However, in science, we can hypotheses. Scientific model is actually hypothesis. Yeah, although we cannot know the reality, we can make the best guess. Right. Like what I said, we used to make a best guess of the universe as a machine, and and then we made the best guess at the time the universe is charged particles. Now we are able to make another guess, which is a new model reality based on that the universe is information. And therefore, the true nature of the information, according to Kant, is not knowable. We can hypothesize it as information. Mm. Basically, it's like a barcode. Right. Barcode is information. Yes. And it doesn't make sense unless you process it as mm. a computer. It doesn't mean anything, it's just random code. But that's the true reality. But through processing, you can decode the information. Right. Then you get some picture of the universe. Right. Yeah. So this is one way I can model this so-called unknowable true nature of reality. So basically it's a code.
0: Right. That's so interesting. And I often have thought for people like myself who have psychic ability. Like, one of my biggest abilities is clear cognizance. I just know things. I just (laughs) know it, and I don't know where I get that information. It's just I know it, and it's never incorrect. And I've speculated that people like myself have the ability to tap into that computer, into that program, and pick up the information from there.
1: Yeah, I agree. You're one of the people I talked to and they, they told me how they actually access information. So I would interpret that ability as awakened consciousness at another level.
2: Oh, yeah. interesting.
1: Yeah, because we all have a different degree of awakening.
2: Mm.
1: Like what I described, the creation is a multi-planed reality. and we exist at all levels but for most people they are not awakened at other levels Mm. they only operate on the physical level and therefore they have limited access to information Mm. so for for some people they actually act as NPC in computer game we have a term called NPC, non-playable character Yeah, so those characters, they don't have a player.
0: Right, they're like fillers for the scene. Like here in, in, in reality, I would describe them as people without souls. They're just there to fill the gaps and provide yeah. background for the players.
1: Oh, yes, that's exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah, because they act as a pre-programmed being. Right. Yeah. So... They they are controlled by a set of programs. They react according to the situation. And they don't have a player to change their program. So some people at the lower end of the spectrum act as NPC. They just react to situation. If you beat them, they beat you back. (laughs) They score your back. Uh, So it's reactive. And at other levels, they have their players are weakened. Right. But players are not in the physical level. Players mm. at another level. It's like a we, when we play a computer game, we are a player, the avatar inside the computer game. At this physical level, some people have their player at another level, higher level, awakened. They can be more active. Those people are difficult to predict because they, they are not always following the program. They follow some, they don't always follow all the programs. And uh, so those people depend on their state of awakening. Some of them can actually access the database Mm. because the computer is non-physical at a physical level and they themselves are awakened at that level also. Therefore, they have access to the database of the computer.
0: That's a really interesting so, way of
1: describing Yeah, that. So by accessing the database, they can acquire all kinds of information mm. effortlessly. They may not be aware, but they actually have access to it. So the information gets, it's like download.
0: Yes. 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 yes download. A yeah. Sometimes what it feels like to me, honestly, it feels like I just all of a sudden have this whoosh of information.
2: that's yeah, just yeah.
0: right there. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. where did that come from? Where did they come from?
1: Yeah, because you are awakened and on another level, Your higher self is active, basically. Right. And uh, it's not everybody. And the thing for you, for other peoples, the higher self is active, and the activity include access to the database. Interesting. Some activity of the higher self also include. Manipulate the program.
0: Ah, yes.
1: If you can change the program, change the code, you can do magic things. You can do miracles. You can do paranormal things. Mm. Mm -hmm. Because basically, if everything is processing output of computation, if you can get into the computer to change the code, anything can happen. And I come across people who can move objects, move physical objects yeah from one location to another
0: oh yeah. wow that's interesting i think
1: all they do is actually to change the location data if you change the location data x and y z then the object is is in another place
0: right yeah.
1: you don't need to physically transport it
0: yeah you just yeah. change
1: the data
0: That's really interesting oh this is such a fascinating topic And it was the first season of my podcast that I did that, Glitch in the Matrix, and this is such a a great follow-on and more information for my listeners to Mm. digest and think. And at the very least, if it causes them to question, that's an awesome thing. That's an awesome thing. Because Mm. the more people that question, the more... Oh, I hate that term, but there's no other term. Awake people become and aware of of what's actually happening around them. And then things that are happening in the world don't bother you so much because you realize that really it's just a program working itself out.
1: Yes, that's exactly. That's exactly right. And uh, we uh, create all sorts of trouble because of the ignorance, mm. yeah. because we don't realize this avatar is not our true self.
0: Mm, great. Yeah.
1: yeah, our true self is the matter consciousness at the top, mm. and also our true self, higher self at all level of reality, all mm. level of consciousness. And the higher you go, the more integrated we are. Therefore, we become one eventually. It's everybody is one eventually. As I said, individual are fragmentation of the one. Because people don't realize that. They identify themselves as the avatar. Mm. Yeah. Yes. That's us then, then become ego egoistic. Mm-hmm. And also at the same time, because they come from the one, they come from the almighty, they come from the being which create everything Mm. so automatically the higher self have everything Mm. but when we come down to this level as individual avatar we still remember we should have everything but we don't right we have a scarcity we have a fear that's why we want to grab we want to grab material possession so that we feel safer and we want to grab land right to do that, we have to have a war. Mm. So, if we realize everyone is one, and we are not this reality, we are not this avatar, we are actually the higher being. We can eliminate lots sorts of troubles in this
2: world.
0: Yes, absolutely, you make a huge difference. I had an experience about five or six years ago, where I consciously travelled into different dimensions. There was seven of them, seven, I believe. And in each dimension I went, there was another version of me, but I looked different. My body shape was different. Okay. And as I went into each version, I integrated with that being, or that being integrated into me.
2: Yeah.
0: And then when I came back, all the beings integrated into me. They kind of joined with me, and it was like, for the first time, I felt whole again.
1: It okay, was a yeah,
0: really interesting experience.
1: Yeah, very profound insight. Also, yeah, feel whole again. Mm. Yeah, because the separation make us unwhole. Mm. Yeah, make us lacking. We have to seek from somewhere else, and uh, sadly, we seek it from material, right, uh, which cause more trouble, of course
0: that's a very, a really deep understanding of why humans behave the way they do
2: Mm -hmm. from a
0: totally different perspective. And it explains a lot, actually. In my opinion, explains a lot. So how has all this knowing, Simon, affected your day-to-day reality? Have you, after coming to this, profound understanding through your research and your study and your computations how has this made a difference to you on a day-to-day level has it i presume it has it can't not have
1: yeah of course living in this reality we need to obey the laws Mm. of this reality And so I cannot change gravity, for example. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) although some people can. Yeah, some people can. By the way, gravity is just a program. And that's another way to look at the physical reality. And the apple falls because it's programmed to fall. The 9.8 meters per second square is just the parameter in that program.
2: oh right
1: yeah so therefore it's a program and processing output of that program is a free falling object Mm. so if you can get into the program and you can suspend that program that's why some people can levitate
2: yes
1: and uh, effortlessly and then because they, they can sort of suspend that program temporarily yeah. For most people like me, we live the life normally and we still play the game according to the role of the game. And I still have to work, I still have to make a living, I still have to pay mortgage, I still have to pay all the bills.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. doesn't <hold> that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. And I still have to behave normally mm. to interact with people in the society. But inside, I no longer have fear.
0: That's a big one.
1: Yeah. I don't fear anymore. Mm. I know it's a, it's a game. Mm. We are playing this avatar. And the true self have everything. Mm. True self have abundance. Even we play a poor people, it's only temporary. Mm. It's like Prince Harry. Prince Harry, late Queen's second son, when he was a teenager, he used to stay outside to experience a homeless right. uh, for a few night- nights in the street in London because he wants to experience what's it like to be homeless, wow. but inside he doesn't suffer. Mm. He knows this experience by my myself actually have a home which is Buckingham Palace but on the street i experience what's it like to be homeless so in this materiality even i don't have much money and not. i don't fear to be poor mm. because i know the true self myself have everything
2: right
1: uh, of course you also realize we are one ultimately we are one There's no point to be nasty to another version of yourself. Mm. So if you don't have a fear, you don't want to be nasty to other people. You become a happy life. Mm. Your life is more relaxed and happier.
0: Mm. And that certainly goes along with a lot of older teachings like Buddhism and some of the Indian beliefs about, Mm. you know, just... It's been there, the truth has been there the whole time.
2: And, yeah, and yeah. the
0: old teachings.
2: Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It
0: got lost. It got lost yeah. for a lot of people. They lost that knowledge. But it's really, it is a game. and it's Yeah,
1: it's, it, it, it is a game. However, mm. you shouldn't just treat it carelessly. No. Because even this place is not our true home. Mm. It's a temporary home. We shouldn't trash it. It's like you uh, go to another place temporarily. You live in a hotel. You're going to move on. Mm. Yeah, this is not a permanent place. You're going to move on. Mm. I still have your decades, I hope. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: and uh, you shouldn't trash this place. Mm. Yeah, in a hotel, you, you don't trash the place. You still put everything in order, don't destroy furniture. So you still have to respect the place you are temporarily. Therefore, you become more environmentally aware.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Yeah, that's another change I, I realize that uh, I just have to keep the place as tidy. I, I'll trash to some degree because <laughs> if we consume, every consumer causes production and every production consumes resources. Yes, actually. but we have to just be aware that we don't overdo it. I, know, have, whole I have a simple
0: life is a good life, I agree. Yeah. I've never been, a, like, personally, never been a materialistic person, material things have never had great significance to me. I'm perfectly happy with a secondhand couch or going and buying clothing from the op shop. I'd rather recycle and renew the resources that we currently have. That's That's how I've always been, because a part of me always knew that, you know, this reality really doesn't mean a lot in the grand Mm. scheme of things. It's a tool to teach us lessons, to help us find ourselves and our place, but material things you can't take with you. You take the learning and the love.
1: So everything's temporary.
0: Everything's temporary. Absolutely. Simon, this has been an interesting conversation, and I'm so glad that we had this chance to talk. Before we wind up, would you like to share with my listeners where people can contact you or how they can learn more about you?
1: Yeah, I have a website, metacomputix.com. So on my website, I have a link to my YouTube channel, to my now called X, and my publications and my Q&A section, and also do a private consultation for people who are really interested in how to get out of the matrix. Oh,
2: awesome. Yeah,
1: I talk to people individually to help them to locate themselves, as I mentioned. And then from there, we together, we work out personalized roadmap. And,
2: awesome.
1: and, and also I support people along the way to help them to overcome obstacles on the way out. And so eventually people would benefit from working together with me to feel free,
2: mm.
0: uh,
1: to feel happier, to feel abundant and so have a healthy life
0: that's awesome and for my listeners if you didn't get that information that simon just gave us it will be on this episode's page on the podcast website www.walkingtheshadowlands.com and i'll have links to simon's website from that page so you can contact him through there. simon thank you so much for your time this episode it's been a really interesting and enlightening conversation and i really appreciate your time today
1: thank you maria again for having me
0: And there you have it everyone. What an incredible journey with Dr Simon Dwan into the world of metacomputics. A huge thanks to Simon for sharing his insights and taking us on a wild ride through the realms of possibility. To all our wonderful listeners, thank you for joining us on this adventure. Don't forget to share your thoughts and theories with us on social media. I love hearing from you. Also, feel free to leave a positive rating and comment about this episode on your preferred podcasting app. Stay curious, stay awesome. This is Marianne, bidding you farewell from the Shadowlands. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe and share it with friends so you don't miss out on any episode. Like and follow for teasers of our upcoming shows. Also, follow us on all social media platforms. Check out our Facebook page, WT Shadowlands, our Instagram feed, Walking the Shadowlands, and our Twitter feed at Shadowlands10, TikTok under Walking underscored the underscored Shadowlands. Also, we have a YouTube channel under Walking the Shadowlands as well. This podcast is available on all free podcasting platforms. Just look for Walking the Shadowlands. Also, if you have an Alexa, simply say these four words. Open Walking the Shadowlands and Alexa will play our latest episode for you. If you don't have a smartphone, don't worry. You can listen to the episodes from the podcast website, www.walkingtheshadowlands.com. For those hearing impaired, there's a full written transcript of each episode on the website, so you don't miss out at all. Thanks for listening to this episode. Ka T.